If you are just getting started with the NGSS and 3D teaching, I want to invite you to check out Bring Wonder Back, an on-demand video series designed to help you understand why moving through the textbook and teaching topics is actually crushing your students' curiosity and what you can do instead. It's going to help you shift the work of learning where it belongs by building your understanding of explorations and discovery-based teaching practices. And finally, I'm going to help you take the first steps toward transforming your students into scientists through 3D learning, which is really what the NGS is all about. You can access this video series at iExploreScience/wonder and get ready to bring wonder engagement and a love for learning back to your science class. All right, to the show. Welcome to the Teaching Science in 3D podcast. My name is Nicole Van Tassel. And I'm Erin Sadler. And we are two science teachers dedicated to helping you cut through the confusion and meet the intent of the NGSS so you can master all three dimensions. The NGSS can seem totally overwhelming, but implementing these standards doesn't need to be. Hello, everyone. I've talked a lot on this podcast about the way that I primarily use lecture in my first few years of teaching, and I've talked about what a horrible experience that was and how horrible it was for the students. But what I started doing after that wasn't a whole lot better. I pretty much kept lecturing and added in lab days. And these days were a little bit more relaxed and students got to do hands-on stuff, but I don't know if it enhanced their learning at all. I was aware that something wasn't working, so maybe I needed to do more lab days. So I made this rule in my lesson planning that every Thursday was gonna be a lab day. I paid absolutely no attention to my instructional sequence and I just threw in a lab every Thursday. I don't know what problem I was intending to solve, but I really thought that this was gonna be a good idea and other than making it more predictable for sharing equipment, um, it wasn't great. So this might sound really silly, but I'm not the only teacher who's done this. But I've learned a lot since then. And doing labs for the sake of doing labs isn't particularly beneficial. I'm in several Facebook groups for science teachers, and one of the most common posts is for someone asking for a lab for a given topic. Like, does anybody have a lab for ecology? Or does anyone have a lab for forces? And if this is you, don't worry, because my post would have said something like, I'm looking for some random lab for Thursday. (laughs) But I think that we can do better. We can make our lab or investigations more purposeful for our students. So that's what I'm talking about on today's episode. I'm going to give you three ways to create more purposeful labs. You might have noticed that I love doing episodes that include short lists, and I probably will continue to do that. I love particularly using like three ways to do something because I feel like that simplifies it and makes it easy for you. So just know that that's probably going to continue to happen. But before I get into that, I want to let you know that I'm hosting a free training on Monday, June 7th at 5 p.m. Pacific. This training is related to another problem I hear teachers talk about when they talk about their classroom labs. I'm going to teach you three simple, see there's that three again, three simple ways to increase student independence in the lab. So to sign up for this free training, go to sadlerscience.com slash independent lab. That's all one word after the slash. And don't worry, if this time doesn't work for you, sign up anyway, and I'll send you the replay when I'm done. 
So again, that's sadlerscience.com slash independent lab. Okay, so let's get to it. Here's the biggest problem with what I was doing. I wasn't considering my instructional sequence at all. The every Thursday technique doesn't consider instructional sequence. So the first super easy thing that you can do to add purpose to an investigation is to consider your instructional sequence. Whenever possible, I strongly encourage you to use an explore before explain strategy in your lesson sequence. If there's any way you can have students do the investigation before you provide an explanation, that's ideal. I think sometimes teachers are hesitant to do this because they don't think that students have enough skills in order to be able to do the investigation if they don't front load that. For me, I used to write these really, really extensive background pieces for all of my labs to make sure that my students had that information. But looking back, they were very unnecessary and I think maybe even detrimental to learning that was happening. When you're doing a lab or some type of investigation at the beginning of your lesson sequence, see how you can strip it down as much as possible to allow students to discover information. I like to think of this piece as a real bare bones investigation. That way, students can begin to make sense of the content and you can help provide clarity later. Also, this doesn't have to be the end of the investigation process. You can do an exploration piece at the beginning and come back a little bit later to add more meat to it. For example, it can be really difficult for students to plan an investigation when they don't know anything about the content. And that's not always the case, but it can be. So let them do a little exploration, give them more background info, and then hand the investigation back to them. Let's move on to the next piece. The next easy way to add purpose to your investigations is to make sure that they use the science and engineering practices. And I can kind of see you looking and kind of saying, um, yeah, we know that. Labs always use the science and engineering practices, so check. I'm done there. But don't be so quick to check that box for yourself, because for a very long time, I thought I was incorporating the practices, and I definitely wasn't. I encourage you to grab a copy of the NSTA matrix for the science and engineering practices. We've mentioned this tool on here often, but I'll link to it in the show notes again. Before you do a lab, I would like you to try and circle at least one of the subcomponents, preferably within your grade level band, because let me tell you, I definitely couldn't for a long time. At best, I would be able to come up with some stretch explanation for how I was meeting the intent of the practice, but I wasn't really. Remember that these connections should be clear and explicitly taught to our students. So I'm going to bring up a lab that I loved using in my classroom, but the way I was doing it didn't connect to a practice at all. I did a strawberry DNA extraction in my science class for years. If you aren't familiar with this, students use a few ingredients to extract DNA from a piece of fruit. I used a solution of of shampoo and salt and water. The kids put the solution in a baggie with their fruit and they would smush it up really good for several minutes. Then they would strain the fluid from the mixture and add it to very cold isopropyl alcohol. Then we'd use a paperclip to scoop out this white stringy stuff, which was the DNA from the fruit. It's really cool and the kids really enjoy it, but there is zero connection to the science and engineering practices. That doesn't mean that I should have stopped using it. This could have been an engagement style activity or I could have modified it to incorporate a practice, like maybe I could have added modeling in some way. But when I think back, there were several things like this that I did that didn't help students understand how to plan an investigation. 
And it wasn't like I was incorporating another practice. I wasn't like analyzing and interpreting data. In this activity, there was no quantitative data. They made qualitative observations, but there wasn't really interpretation happening. So I couldn't check that box. And I mean, I asked some questions, but I definitely was missing the mark there as far as those science and engineering practices go. I think often we're happy with saying we did a lab, but we forget those practices. And again, if you're doing this occasionally and incorporating the practices elsewhere, it's not the end of the world. But be mindful that you aren't missing opportunities to incorporate the practices. And more than that, make sure that you're not losing sight of the practices altogether. So think about how you can modify your investigations to specifically target those subcomponents. If they can't be modified, consider ditching them or at least be aware that you need to bring in those practices in a different way. Finally, make sure that you're giving your investigation some context. And I think the best way to provide that context is to use phenomena. Ideally, your investigations would relate to your anchoring phenomenon in some way. For example, I like to use investigations to help students answer the questions that they came up with when I introduced the anchor. Or maybe it helps answer one of the questions that students have come up with since then. This connection doesn't have to be perfect. So a phenomenon that I've been looking at locally is our coyotes. For some reason, we've lived here for about 15 years, and we've seen the occasional coyote, but nothing like what we're seeing right now. Now we see small packs. I saw one run down my street a couple of months ago, and there was another one a couple of blocks away on my neighbor's lawn. So this is happening because the coyote population is increasing locally. And I think it would be really cool to build a unit around why this is happening. When we do investigations, we can look at data about this population, but we can't go and do direct investigations. However, we can look at the type of things that cause any population to increase or decrease. For example, we could look at how food affects a population by doing a sugar and yeast lab. Basically, you have several test tubes or flasks and you add yeast to warm water. Then you add a varied amount of sugar to each flask and cover it with a balloon. The balloons covering the test tubes that have more sugar in them inflate more. And since we talked about bringing in those practices earlier, I could do this in a number of ways. I think that the easiest way would be to ask students to identify the independent and dependent variables and controls in this investigation. So let's recap. There are three really easy ways to add more depth and purpose to your investigations. One, consider your instructional sequence. Whenever possible, use an explore before explained approach. Number two, make sure that you're explicitly targeting at least one science and engineering practice. Three, tie those investigations to your anchor to provide context for the activity. I hope that this episode was helpful and gave you some easy strategies. I also hope that I'll see you at our live training on June 7th at 5 p.m. Pacific. Remember to register at sadlerscience.com slash independent lab. That's I-N-D-E-P-E-N-D-E-N-T-L-A-B, all one word. Thank you for your support of this podcast. If you're enjoying it, please subscribe. Also, if you have time to rate and review us, it's super helpful. It actually helps us be found by other teachers, which is why we're doing this whole thing. Nicole will be doing an interview next week, and she and I will be back together the following week. Thank you so much for listening. Goodbye.
Making sure that your lessons are three-dimensional isn't always easy. While you don't need to include all three dimensions every single day, you do want to make sure that each dimension is regularly addressed. I developed a really simple 3D planner to help keep me focused. It helps me track which pieces I'm using in my daily lesson plans. It only takes me five minutes to fill out, and it helps me notice patterns in my own lesson planning. For example, when I first started using it, I noticed I wasn't including the cross-cutting concepts as often as I thought I was. Just by recognizing this, I was able to focus on this one piece and improve my lessons. Right now, you can grab the same template that I use for my own planning for free. Go to sadlerscience.com slash 3dplanner to grab yours. That's sadlerscience.com slash 3dplanner.